Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, the question that Pastor David answers is, how do you know which of the Bible's laws to follow? Let's listen. Well, as I've mentioned to you before, one of the things that I really enjoy doing this time of year is, is gardening. And it's, it's nothing fancy. It's some tomatoes, some pumpkins, some squash. But the other day, I popped my head out the window, and I noticed I had an unwanted visitor in my garden. I took a picture so I could show you, and here's the deer just standing, just right in the middle, in the middle of my garden. And, you know, I I looked at that, and I thought, okay, that's not unusual, right? Deer are attracted to gardens. Deer, I'm sure your garden has had deer in them before. But look at that face. I mean, doesn't that face just scream caught in the act? I, I really think so. I think the ears are down. I think the, the eyes are big. Yeah, that, that deer knows exactly what it's doing. Now, I, I saw this and I thought, okay, what does this have to say to us about, you know, right and wrong? Because a part of me wanted to yell at that deer, hey, don't you know it's not right to eat in other people's gardens? And obviously, I would never do that. But thinking in terms of right and wrong, not between us and deer, but us as people, it got me thinking, how do we know? How do we know what's acceptable and what's not? How do we know what is right and what is not? Well, that's one of the questions that the congregation turned in, and it's the question that we're going to cover today. The question was, how do we pick and choose which laws of God to follow? talking particularly about those Old Testament laws. And then the person who turned this in listed two of those. We shouldn't eat non-kosher food. That's in the Old Testament. We shouldn't get a tattoo. That's also in the Old Testament. So how do we know which laws to follow in the Old Testament and, and which not to? Now, if you've ever read the third book in the Bible— the book of Leviticus, you know that the Old Testament has a lot of laws. That book is almost completely laws. If you counted them all up, you would find 613 commandments, 613 laws to live by. And so for us today, we need to ask, okay, which of those 613 still apply to us today and which do not? Because as you read through them, some of them seem to apply pretty directly to us. Uh, Here's an example from Leviticus chapter 19. It says, Do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. Well, I think we'd all agree that that still applies today, doesn't it? We want to judge people fairly. I believe God wants us to judge people fairly and impartially. But then you read on, even in that very same chapter, and you come across laws that seem very foreign to how we live today. Here's another example, uh, just a little bit later in that chapter. Do not trim off the hair on your temples or trim your beards. Well, gosh, I keep telling my wife, Sarah, that I want to grow out a beard, and now I have a biblical basis to point to. I can see, look, look, right here in Leviticus, I'm not supposed to trim my beard. 
Or if you're watching online and you're on vacation this week, maybe you haven't shaved yet. And this is your warning, don't shave today. We're not supposed to trim our beards. Or even in the very next verse, do not cut your bodies for the dead and do not mark your skin with tattoos. So you have those laws and you go, well, that doesn't seem as applicable. But what do we do? Because in that very same chapter, there are other laws that seem very applicable and it doesn't feel good to just pick and choose based off of our personal preference, does it? I mean, even just a couple of verses past the ones I read, we get one that seems very applicable. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 33 says, Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. I think we would all agree with that. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So how do we know which laws still apply and which do not? Well, let me make one thing just abundantly clear off the bat here. The Old Testament laws were given to the Israelite people, not to Christians. And so you as Christians are not bound to the majority of the Old Testament laws. I hope that takes some pressure off of those of you who trimmed your beards this morning. But some do still apply, and that's where it gets tricky, is figuring out which ones do. And so we have to ask, well, what is the difference between the Old Testament and the New? Well, the only difference is Jesus. And Jesus came and helped give us an interpretive framework for which laws are universal, which laws are timeless, and which weren't. And so we're going to use Jesus's interpretation to figure out how we today can really learn and apply the laws that he held up for us. So let's start by just understanding the broad categories of these Old Testament laws. If you were to read all 613, you would see that they fall into a couple of categories. Uh, one category was on the sacrificial system. You had a whole bunch of laws that helped to teach a person how to atone for their sin, how to make themselves right with God. And it was through the sacrificial system. And so if you sinned in a certain way, there was a certain animal to sacrifice or a certain grain offering to sacrifice to make yourself right with God. Now, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for all of us. And so Jesus did away with the sacrificial system and said those laws don't apply to us as Christians anymore. If you want to read more about that, that's what the whole book of Hebrews is about in the New Testament, about how Jesus became the perfect sacrifice, thus ending the sacrificial system. So you've got that category of laws, but then you also have a category of laws that helped the people of Israel stand out. Remember, if you were here last week, they were supposed to be that, that holy nation that was set apart for the rest of the world. And so they had laws based on their food and their clothing to help them stand out in society. 
But many of those more cultural laws, Jesus does not lift up as being the universal ones for us today. Instead, Jesus points to the laws of the Old Testament that taught people how to worship God, taught people how to be in right relationship with God. And these are the ones that Jesus often lifted up to say, yes, these are universal. We follow these laws. Think of the Ten Commandments. Every one of those commandments helps us to understand God or how to live in relationship with one another. And Jesus often would lift those up. And so what I would like to do to begin is study a conversation that Jesus had with an expert in the law, meaning the expert in those 613 commands. It's a conversation you're probably familiar with, but it'll give us a good framework for getting started together. It begins in this way when the expert comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? So he's asking, out of all 613, if I were to just follow one, what would be the one commandment that I should commit my life to following? And Jesus replies. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then Jesus adds a second. He says, and a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you've probably heard this before, haven't you? To love God and to love others. This is the most important thing that we can do as Christians. But keep reading, because one verse after that, and Jesus says something that I find quite revolutionary. Jesus says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, every command, every law in the Old Testament should help you either love God or love others more fully. And what you'll find as you track how Jesus then interprets these commands is he discarded the ones that didn't. He set aside the ones that didn't help a person either love God or love others more fully. So let's break this down. Jesus was asked, what is the most important? And he didn't make up a law. He quoted a law from the Old Testament. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, that comes from Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 5. And then he says, and also, love your neighbor as yourself. Again, Jesus is not making this up. He's choosing a law from the Old Testament. That comes from Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18. So Jesus is very intentionally picking certain laws to highlight to say these, these are the laws that are universal for us. And I find it equally interesting to look at the laws that Jesus didn't choose. I mean, in the very next verse in Leviticus, after saying, love your neighbor as yourself, here's what we find. The very next verse says, and do not mate two different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two different kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing 
woven from two different kinds of thread. All right, how many people planted a garden this year and you used more than one kind of seed? You are busted. You are busted today. Or how many of you wear clothing made of two different types of material? Go ahead and check, check the back of your tag there. It might be a cotton polyester mix, right? You are in trouble now. But isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't quote those verses? Jesus quoted the one before it and intentionally lifted up that command to love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because what was most important to Jesus was helping people understand how to love God and love others more fully. Not all the cultural laws that were Israel-specific. So a good interpretive tool for you, as you read through the Old Testament, I encourage you to do so, because there are so many good nuggets of wisdom in there. But as you're reading through the Old Testament and you come to a law, you should ask the question, does this law help me love God more fully? And does this law help me love others more fully? Let's use the Ten Commandments as an example, because the Ten Commandments— each one of those will help you love God or love others more fully. Think about it. You could say, do I love God? Then I do not replace God with an idol. Do I love others? Well, then I do not murder or steal or covet or commit adultery. And by understanding the Old Testament laws in this way, Jesus argues that he's actually fulfilling the original intent of these laws. Check out what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. When, Matthew, or when Jesus says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to fulfill them. Yes, when Jesus thought about the Old Testament laws, he thought that what he was doing in terms of how to interpret those was actually fulfilling their original intent. Now that word fulfill, it means to complete. And it's like he was saying that these Old Testament laws were incomplete on their own. But Jesus then brought them to a place of completeness or fulfillment. Right after that statement, Jesus goes on to list six examples of this new way to interpret these laws, where he'll make a reference. He'll say, you've heard it said, and then he'll quote an Old Testament law. And then he'll say, but I say to you. And he brings this new lens to it, or in his words, fulfillment to those laws. Now, I encourage you, if you're interested in those six statements uh, go home today and read the entirety of Matthew chapter 5. It is fascinating. But we're just going to cover one of them today to give you an example of what Jesus is doing here with the Old Testament law. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, Jesus says, You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So Jesus here is referring to the Old Testament law. That was a law in the Old Testament. It comes from the book of Exodus. Jesus didn't quote the whole law, though, 
And when you go and read the entire law, you really get a sense of what the law was trying to accomplish. So let's read that law. From Exodus chapter 23, the punishment must match the injury. A life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, a bruise for a bruise. What was this Old Testament law seeking to prescribe? Well, that the punishment must fit the crime. So if a person kills another, then that person must be killed. It's really a brutal way to live, but it was also setting limits on the amount of violence that was acceptable in society. So it's like saying, okay, if that person kills another person, well, then you can kill him, but you can't kill him and his family and his whole tribe. You'd be surprised how often that happened in the Old Testament, where one act of violence was repaid double, which is then repaid double, and the cycle of violence continued on and on and on. And so although brutal to our ears, this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, it was actually setting parameters on what was acceptable, the limits to violence. Yes, in sort of a backwards way, that sort of law was a step towards justice for the society in which it was written, which was a largely lawless society 4,000 years before. But Jesus looks at that law and says, but we can't stop there. It's incomplete on its own. Jesus seeks to bring that law to fulfillment. And so he quotes it. He says, you've heard it said, but I say to you. And here's what Jesus says. He says, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Do you see what Jesus has done here? where Jesus changes the Old Testament law and he makes it considerably less violent and moves people towards being people of love, even towards those who wrong you. And by doing this, Jesus is arguing that he's actually fulfilling the original intent of the law, which was to bring a sense of justice into the world. It's like Jesus is saying, okay, when you want justice— don't follow the more primitive form of justice in the Old Testament, which was a step in the right direction. But instead, if someone wrongs you, forgive them and choose nonviolence as far as it depends on you. In Matthew chapter 5, there are six times where he does this. Six times where he tells the people, you've heard it said and quotes the law, but I say to you, and he changes it. He brings us a step forward in progression towards what he calls fulfillment. Because in Jesus' mind, all of the laws of God are there to help you become a more loving person, both towards God and towards others. Now, what I find really interesting is that Jesus said this, and it shocked the entire system. Nobody was thinking this way. You either followed the law or you didn't. And Jesus really changed how the law was to be interpreted. And so Paul, 
who wrote after Jesus, he saw the effects of what this did to the whole system. And he wrote about that. And I think it's really interesting about what happened after Jesus really changed the system here. And, and so I want to look briefly at something that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, where in this time frame, you had Jews who were governed by Jewish laws, and then you had Gentiles, and Gentiles being everybody else. And they were in conflict with one another. But here's what Paul saw, thought that Jesus accomplished through his words. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Paul says that Christ broke down the wall of hostility, to which we must ask, okay, well, what is the wall of hostility? Well, it was an actual wall. Um, I, I want you to picture the temple for a second. The temple in Jesus' day in Jerusalem was the most holy place that you could be if you were Jewish. And from the inside out, there were a, a series of courts that were restricted to certain types of people. So in the very center, the very innermost court, was called the court of priests. And only priests were allowed in the innermost court. And then you went out a little bit more, and you had the court of Israel. And any Jewish male was allowed in that court, the court of Israel. They couldn't go in the court of priests, but they could go in the court of Israel. Heading out from there, you had the court of women. And there, they said, any Jewish women were allowed in that court. Now, all three of those courts in the temple were on the same level. After the court of women, there were 14 steps that descended downward, and they ended in a giant stone barrier, an actual physical wall that then divided all those inner courts from the court of the Gentiles. And so there was an actual wall that divided the Jewish people from everybody else. And there were actually inscriptions on those stone steps. Uh, they, many of them were found. One of them in 1871, uh, here's what this inscription on the step said. The inscription said, No foreigner may enter within the balustrade around the sanctuary and the enclosure. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for the death which will ensue. Basically, it was like a giant no trespassing sign, but instead of threatening prosecution, it was threatening death. So there was an actual physical violent wall between the outside world, between the Gentiles and the Jewish people. But Paul says that Christ tore down this wall of hostility, to which I lean forward and go, okay, how? How did Christ do that? How did he accomplish that? And we find out in the very next verse. Paul says he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. 
He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. So, through Christ, these Old Testament laws, in Paul's words, were ended. Or in Jesus' words, were fulfilled. Because they were being used to divide one group of people from another. It's like you either followed the laws and you were worthy to come into the temple, or you weren't. But in Christ, and this new interpretation of the Old Testament laws, well, now there's no need for any dividing wall. No, Christ tore that down and said, no, in God there's only one people. We are all the people of God. We get to follow freely, and as the people of God, the laws that govern us can really be boiled down into those two most important, equally important statements. And so, people of God, people of unity, as you seek to interpret the Old Testament and the Old Testament laws, let's use Jesus' framework to help us out. Follow all laws that make you a more loving person, both towards God and towards others. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.